Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you. Happy Thursday, Dr. Paul. How are you today? It went fine. Thank All you. Right. Thank you. Lots going on. We're going to talk a little bit today about uh, intelligence. I wish we could talk about the intelligence of our leaders, yeah. uh, but that's, that's not fair. That would be picking on somebody. And uh, we're talking about people spying on things and keeping secrets, deceiving the people, lying about going into war, lying about when we're really involved in war, or just plain old ad advisors. It's been going on a long time. Uh, I understand that that old guy FDR sort of did a little bit of manipulation and maneuvering us in, into a big war. But anyway, this is so far not a big war, but it's a big effort. It's a big, a, a big issue, and that has to do with why are we involved in these in these countries anyway? But right now, in the news is uh, we we want to make sure there's no misunderstanding of our involvement in Ukraine because you know some people would think we shouldn't even be there, and so but we still have this moral obligation, uh, you know, to spend a couple dollars and go in there and and uh, and help uh, help friends over there. And right now, the consensus is the uh, Ukrainians are our friends, and we we have to protect them. So, but they want to have rules to make sure there's no misunderstanding. If they have to kill somebody, yeah. you know, they have to make sure there's not bad publicity. So uh, the whole thing is that they're not talking about should we be there or not. They're talking about how can we, uh, you, you know, modernize our uh, secrecy and try to do just so much, uh, you, you know, with, without people knowing exactly what we're doing. Sometimes, though, what, what's inconsistent about this, in past times, and not too distant past, when we had a secret killing, and, uh, you know, both Republicans and Democrats have done the secret killings, then they brag about it. Oh, yeah, we, we assassinated him, and we have to get rid of Assad and all this kind of stuff. But th that is not exactly what's going on now, but we're very much involved in there. And uh, they're, they're talking about if they set, they set the rules, we'll stay out of trouble. We can do what we want. We can be the boss, and we can direct everybody. But uh, if something goes wrong, then we're one step removed. Uh, Russians won't have a justification for, you know, holding us accountable for this. And uh, they probably won't get much help from the U.N. to find out who's really accountable. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's what is go going on right now. And uh, and we've set some rules. But uh, my first impression is these rules aren't going to work for some reason. I think it's a stepping stone to making conditions worse, digging a deeper hole and getting us more involved because more things will happen, accidents will happen, unintended consequences, and also false flags can occur once we get involved in the intrigue of a, of a war, uh, any war, but in this case especially so. Yeah, and the, and the origin of this, we can put up that first clip. This is a Washington Post article for yesterday from yesterday. The origin is, remember last week, when there were leaks from the intelligence community, and this says, intelligence sharing with Ukraine designed to prevent wider war. That's what the Washington Post says. Last week, there were a couple of, quote, leaks from the intel community saying, A, we are helping Ukraine kill generals. We're giving them the info they need to kill Russian generals. Number two, hey, we gave them the info they needed to sink the Moskva, which is the flagship of their Black Sea fleet which was apparently sunk by a Neptune missile. So these quote-unquote leaks came out of the intel community. As the official story goes, the Biden administration 
became concerned, the White House became concerned that these leaks were pointing more to a more close U.S. involvement in the specifics of the war than they were comfortable with. Uh, and so they sought to, quote, clarify two things. Number one, plug the leaks. Number two, clarify the rules of intelligence sharing with Ukraine. Now, this is the official story. I would say that the leaks from the intel community uh, were not just braggadocio or just, uh, I, I would say they're, they're designed to be warnings to the Russians. Hey, we can kill you and we are killing you. Nevertheless, okay, that's the origin. <coughs> the goal of the U.S. obviously is to maximize the pain on Russia. And, and uh, Secretary Austin said it himself, the idea is to weaken Russia. So maximize the amount of pain on Russia without provoking a Russian response against the U.S. And for me, and I was on radio earlier this morning, and I said, this is an insane balancing <laughs> act. And it requires the assumptions about Russia are correct. Because we don't talk to the Russians. We know that now. The, the high, at the highest level, the U.S. and Russian uh, leaders have not spoken. Uh, Lavrov has not spoken uh, to Blinken since it started. So we don't talk to them. So our assumption is that here are the red lines with Russia, and we can't really pass them. That's a big assumption. And the other one is that there is not a miscommunication. And you remember back in 1983, Dr. Paul, when the U.S. was involved in a nuclear first strike exercise that the Soviets misinterpreted as preparation for a first strike, and they were ready on the verge of launching a preemptive strike against this. We were this close, a hair's breadth, to nuclear annihilation, and thank God it didn't happen because of one astute person. That's a longer story. But anyway, this all relies on not a single mistake like that being made. And the question is, the stakes are so high with this, what is the real benefit to America and the American people? Well, the benefit they see is they are stirring up trouble. Maybe they don't want the war. They just want uh, the pretense of war, and it's back to the old profit motive that we've talked about many times. It serves that interest, but it's also a typical example of what gets out of control and causes a lot more trouble than they ever expected. But the one thing for sure, though, and you pointed it out, is there is no pretense, no effort to have diplomacy. Yeah. They don't even want to say hello or goodbye or whatever. They, they, nothing. And I think that's where the danger is. And uh, I was a bit on pins and needles uh, uh, in 1962. Uh, I was still in my residency, and that, that was, uh, you know, the, the, the missiles of uh, October, and uh, the world was very tense. But uh, I, I believe, even though some people say, oh, no, this wasn't a big I believe it was a big deal that there was a, uh, uh, you know, communication between Kennedy and Khrushchev. And, uh, and matter of fact, uh, that gets more complicated because maybe Kennedy, due to the Bay of Pigs and other things, became more anti-war, you know, and that led to other, other things happening. But the big point is, is there was, and under that, that type of tension, at least they said something, but now, oh, this is not a problem. We can play the game. We're not going to talk to him. It's almost like it's almost like clicks in high school or yeah, something. Exactly. I'm not talking to those people anymore. Yeah. They're really bad people. Yeah. I'll get them at the Knicks football game yeah. or something. But this, uh, I think that, of course, is a, a, a serious mistake because I think under all conditions, as bad as they may seem, if, uh, if it's not extreme where the bombs are falling, 
that you should make an effort to talk to people. But uh, this, is a, this emphasizes if they get away with this, which I don't believe they will, they'll say, see, that's it. You've got to be really tough on people, and it will end up in, with peace. Yeah, we're not moving toward peace in that area. Just think of the difference in the last, uh, well, say since 2014, how chaotic you know, the European, the Eastern Europe has become what's happened to our relations with Russia and China and uh, how that has contributed to our economic problems. All the, all this thing is all backfired. And you've sort of expressed it too. Why in the world did they do this? Yeah. <laughs> and again, we've said this over and over, Dr. Paul. This is the, the whole rationale for U.S. involvement in this is predicated on the widely discredited domino theory. I mean, it feels like we're back in the 60s. If we let Putin take Ukraine, he's going to get Poland next, and then in New York we're going to be speaking Russian in three months. You know, the whole thing is discredited, the whole rationale, there's no U.S. national interest. But anyway, according to the Washington Post article, now the White House has clarified, these are two types of intelligence we will not share with the Ukrainians. And I guess this is supposed to make the Russians feel better, and perhaps on a certain level it does, but nevertheless, we're still going to share the other, the other types. First of all, detailed information that would help Ukraine kill Russian leadership figures, and that would be political leadership and also the most senior military officers. Uh, so we won't share that with them, but we will share it with if there are officers in the battlefield, if there are generals in the battlefield, that's, that's fair game. And the other one is any info on targets inside Russia. Well, that kind of makes sense. But what scares me is the fact that they admit they're not sharing it makes me think they probably are sharing <laughs> it. Yeah, and, and to me, this detailed of what is the proper position and what is the tactical procedure that we do misses the whole thing because this is all manufactured for various reasons. And it's, it's the idea that we're there and we're so much involved and have been involved in so many places around the world in uh, how many coups that have been that we've been involved in. We get involved and in doing the nitty gritty. It's just, just amazing how the uh, system that we've had here because we've been so wealthy and we're really coasting on our wealth but uh, there, there'll be a point where we can't be the the dictator of the world and we've been able to get away with that and uh, and this is this this will come to an end and that is uh, that is the day that uh, this world is going to change and hopefully the end of this to me is not a bad thing. If we, if we did it wisely, we would just back off and yeah. say, uh, you, you know, the few times that Eisenhower backed off from a confrontation when some tanks were rolling in Europe, you know, the fact that he, he didn't send our tanks in there, yeah. uh, people, you know, didn't worry about that, uh, you know, uh, to the point that the end, of the end of times was coming and the Russians would be so strong they'd never be stopped. But anyway, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a system of government is avoidable. This mess that we're in is avoidable. Avoidable, just as the economic mess we're in avoidable, our border problems are, are avoidable. But uh, the one thing is, is unfortunately uh, uh, we haven't done much because we could have avoided this systemic evil attack on our ability to express ourselves. Yeah. And when when we lose that, and we are losing, and it seems to be more benign than we're in about a, a nuclear bomb, that uh, this this to me is a big deal because uh, it's systematic. 
I don't think it's uh, not retrievable. I think we can retrieve it, and I think the electronic age helps. I think there are things, I think that uh, the monopoly of the social media is not as absolute as some people think. Uh, who knows, there may be some good come out of Twitter before yeah. we know it. And, yeah. and uh, that's why I think the issue is legalizing freedom, that people will solve the problem. But it's just to get the bureaucrats and the, the money hogs and, the, and the, all the special interests out of the way, and the problems we have would take care of themselves. Well, our next story, Dr. Paul, I'm afraid is some bad news. Uh, A new threat has emerged. Uh, and actually skip over the next clip and put the third one on. This is an article from AP. A new threat has emerged. We're going to have to get ready to fight the Russians in Alaska. Here's AP. Army poised to revamp Alaska forces to prep for Arctic fight. And let's look at, here's a, here's a quote from it. Uh, <clears throat> the U.S. has long viewed the Arctic as a growing area of competition with Russia and China, particularly as climate change brings warmer temperatures and opens the sea lanes for longer periods of time. To me, I don't know, Dr. Paul, this is some dweeb sitting in a think tank somewhere saying, aha, I've got an idea, the Alaska threat. We've got to get over to Alaska. Forget about these troops in Hawaii sitting around sipping you know, daiquiris. We need to go to the frozen tundra. Yep. I read one article that they were explaining that the real reason is that China and Russia are both up there and they're getting ready to divvy up and take over uh, everything in, uh, you know, in the Arctic. So that is the reason. It has nothing to do with us and the Alaskans yeah. that we have to do. It's, it's with the supposition that they're up there, which is something we do all the time. And, and uh, I think what really bugs a lot of Americans is that the Chinese, as bad as they are, you know, they, they're pretty tough uh, capitalists yeah. you know they made products and they sold them and we voluntarily bought them and uh, and they became wealthier in, in what they were holding and they started buying up property oh that's horrible that's not capitalistic is it uh, oh yeah they started buying up stuff they weren't they weren't using it to send armies into Africa and, and said send armies around the world uh, of course the more uh, the, 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 uh, the, the West builds their arsenal and always threatening and sending our ships through through the Taiwan Straits, the more likely is it will be militant. But uh, no, I think there's been a lot of jealousy. Uh, people, people, I'm sure, would, would disagree with me because uh, everything is them. Yeah, you know, it, it's not our, our policies that, that do it. But uh, uh, the, the, the fact that... There, the American people say, this is terrible, terrible, we got to crack down on China, don't we ever buy anything on China. Well, why are you? It's your money. Why? The first thing is, if you're not in armed conflict in a declared war, they, they say, and I've heard the very good you know, conservatives say, we have to stop this stuff from coming in. I said, well, you know, why should you penalize an American citizen who's just barely getting by and he can buy a product for one half the price as if we were built by, uh, you know, the labor forces in this country yeah. where the prices are too high. And, uh, and no, no, you, you, you can't do that. You have to block it, which, which penalizes the people that they're pretending they're helping, just like all the sanctions have gone on, uh, usually backfire on us. You know, the real evil of China, China and it's there. I mean, we're, we're defenders of China for its good parts, but the real evil of China is its constant war on self-expression, 
it's, t it's social tyranny over the people. Ironically, that's the part of China we're emulating, <laughs> yeah, And right? we're not fighting. <laughs> we, we like that part, or the government loves Show that us how. part. Yeah, <laughs> but they don't like the capitalist part. So anyway, we're going to have to uh, get ready to go up to Alaska. Well, let me mention one more <laughs> thing, because uh, this came up early in my political career. My guess, I don't have the date written down, but my guess it was in the early 80s. And they were talking about building a, a new tank. You know, the tanks were too old. And we had to have, have tanks because uh, of fear of, of, the, of the Soviets. Yeah. The Soviets are going to, you know, we have to be prepared in case there's a tank warfare on our, on our land. <laughs> and and I, I got up and I said, why, why are we doing this? I mean, that, that's just, uh, you, you know, that's an offensive weapon, really. We, we don't need that. Where do you think the attack is coming from? Uh, are they going going to land on the beaches of Miami with tanks and we have to go. And I said, are the tanks going to come across and go come through Alaska? Is that how they're going to get to us? So, uh, but they passed it. They passed it. They passed and we built the tanks. So we still have a lot of tanks and we sell them. We're still selling them. There's a lot of tank warfare going on. I guess I misjudged that you can keep tank warfare going on when it makes no sense to have a tank war, war going on. And when the tanks get old, you can send them to Ukraine and write off the cost. And get yeah. So our last, our last story that we want to talk about today is really a follow-up on this really laughably horrible idea of this disinformation governance board in the Department of Homeland Security. And on one hand, we cringe and we laugh, and on the other hand, we're furious that they get away with it, and, and also with that the Republicans probably won't shut it down. But here's, let's put up this next clip. Now, this is uh, Yankowitz. She is the info, disinfo czar, and that is appropriate because she's great at disinformation. And here is something that Paul Joseph Watson put up on, on his site, Summit News, yesterday. And this is a clip that surfaced about her. And the more that you see about her, the more you realize she's a disinformation specialist, but not in fighting it, but in promoting it. And we'll watch this clip, but to set it up, she believes that blue check marks on Twitter like her, uh, the elites, should have the right to edit other people's tweets. Let's listen to her. Listen to the first 41 seconds. It's a long clip, but let's listen in her own words. Um, and I am eligible for it because I'm verified. But there are a lot of people who shouldn't be verified who aren't, you know, legit, in my opinion. I mean, they are real people, but they're not um, trustworthy. Anyway, so verified people can um, essentially start to edit Twitter the, the same sort of way that Wikipedia is. So they can add context to certain tweets. Um, so just as an easy example, not from any political standpoint, if President Trump were still on Twitter and tweeted a claim about voter fraud, someone could add context from one of the 60 lawsuits uh, that went through the court or uh, something that an election. First observation, Dr. Paul, the woman in the center square, she's by herself in her office. She's got that mask on. She pulls it down to take a drink. And puts it <laughs> that tells you basically all you need to know well, about these people. Well, she's obeying the rules, you know. So, you know, uh, this whole idea of editing uh, for the good of the nation and the good of truth and honesty is, is such, such a joke. And yet people buy into this. And uh, I can't conceive of people like this. Think of how 
what kind of effort they've been making to make sure we have an honest vote count. Yeah, really. <laughs> do, they, do, do they care about that? No, they don't care about that one bit. And uh, they, they are more likely to cover it up. You know, what I, I think um, will result from this is uh, the, the, the next step. See, they say they're going to see it and they're going to edit it, modify it, and make sure you know what the truth is. And they are already doing this and they strike it and they penalize it and everything else. But it, it will lead to a, a real burden is that you don't get to publish anything. And that's the way they did with the newspapers. You have the dictator has prior restraint. Prior restraint doesn't even judge what you put in there. They, they don't allow you to put it in there. Yeah. It doesn't mean you put it up there and say, oh, you went too far on this. Uh, we, we'll, we, we want to tell the truth about this. But they, this pretense that they're on the side of truth and, and, and the nonsense that people say, well, you have to have somebody sorting out the truth. Well, what about the people sorting out the truth? You know, I, I'll, I'll use the example so clearly about the transition from uh, the explanation of the Kennedy assassination to the point where uh, the people now slow, yeah. but truth did win out on that. I think the people, uh, the majority of the people in this country now knows there was a lot of a lot of deceit and dishonesty and criminality involved in that killing. I think this is such an in, so indicative of the mindset of the left authoritarian uh, elite in the United States. She believes that if you make a tweet, she as a verified person should be able to come in and edit your tweet. It's your tweet. It's your comment. She should be able to go in there and say, well, you know, change it and change it. And she says, and this is in the clip, she provides her example. She said, now this is a non-political example of what I'm saying. So for example, if President Trump tweets something about voter fraud, I should be able to go in there and write, well, that's not true because A, B, and C. You know, this is the mindset of someone like this. I can't think of anyone. I can't think of anyone who would be appropriate for the job because the job shouldn't exist. But if it had to exist, it's hard to think of anyone more inappropriate. Maybe Adam Schiff or someone, right? But more <coughs> inappropriate than a, than a member of the liberal elite, extremely highly politicized, involved in party and partisan politics, wanting to silence not just conservatives. She'd be just as happy silencing progressives like Glenn Greenwald. Trust me, she'd be happy to silence those people too. Anyone who thinks out her small, narrow area of the acceptable conventional wisdom of the liberal and conservative elite, she'll nuke them in a second. You know, the uh, Constitution is rather clear on, on this subject. And I think my favorite phrase in the Constitution be, comes at the beginning of the Bill of Rights. Congress shall write no law. And then they list them. They should have stopped there. <laughs> right there. No, yeah, that's it. That's period. We should put the period there. They shall write no law. And, and yet uh, the uh, people people still still go along with this and the people are, are you know, Follow. Look at how they, uh, how obedient they were with, uh, with lo the lockdown on uh, COVID, and now it's turning out. Uh, there's more and more reports now showing that the early group of doctors that uh, came out are are now being recognized uh, for a heroic effort. Uh, but, but it certainly has caused a lot of suffering, which is continuing, unfortunately. You know, the the principle is still uh, still there. So it's. Uh, it, it would be nice if they would just quit uh, writing these laws and you say, you mean they could say anything they want? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is. But it's not like it's total anarchy. Uh, they're, they're even in the free market. 
there are limits, you know, you know because if, uh, if you say, you know, Joe, Joe here, to, he committed murder yesterday and I saw him murder somebody. I mean, if you defraud somebody and liable, all these things are regulated. What, what do they do now? If you can, some, you can find some pretty vicious laws like, uh, you know, a, a violations of laws as well as violation of violence. Think of the people that tore up our cities last summer. <laughs> they, they, they were essentially weren't even arrested you know, and, and penalized. So, and, and they're looking that they're going to teach us about it. But this whole idea uh, that there, there's total chaos, a lot of people argue that in economics. Oh, you guys are crazy. You mean laissez-faire? You can buy and sell whatever you want? <laughs> you know, you might lose money. Your business might go out of business. Well, maybe that's better than bailing out somebody and taking money from poor people to bail out a businessman that didn't do a good job. So it, it, I, I don't like it when people say that, uh, you know, uh, freedom of choice and freedom is uh, detrimental and, um, and free, uh, free enterprise is bad for people. No, it is choice, but you do have moral restraints. There's moral restraints. That is where the problem really comes because uh, that, that is what's lacking. And, you know, that little pamphlet I did on bankruptcy, uh, this is a financial bankruptcy, but there's also a moral bankruptcy. And that is probably more difficult because if you do a poll and ask, are you are you opposed to murder? How many people say, "Oh no, I think murder is great." <laughs> Everybody's opposed to murder, but they're uh, they they also oppose a more a moral authority, which is a, a little different. Yeah. Well, I'm going to close with a couple of things. First of all, the Thomas Massey appreciation moment, um, because he had a couple of great tweets this week, and I think it deserves recognition. Let's put that first one up, um, if we can. Congress has spent almost $500 per U.S. family to support the war in Ukraine. This money isn't being borrowed, it's being printed, and the result will be more inflation. Wages can't be increased enough to make up the difference because the money and goods are leaving our country. Great point. 500 bucks per family. Everyone that's applauding this should kick in for the rest of us. And do the next one here, and this is great. This takes courage. This is a profile in courage. Congress has voted for 10 bills now that will draw us further into the conflict between Russia and Ukraine. Put U.S. citizens at greater risk, prolong the war, waste taxpayer money, and increase domestic food and energy prices. I voted against all of them. Good job, Mr. Massey. Final notice, good news also for those of you who try to get tickets for our event. Put on that next clip if you don't mind. Uh, we were able to free up some more tickets to our conference on June 4th in Houston. The Biden Doctrine, New World Order or Nuclear Armageddon. Dr. Paul, myself, our good friend Scott Ritter, and our great friend Lou Rockwell will be there. We may even have another surprise guest. Uh, but nevertheless, it's going to be a great event. few tickets, I think about 30 tickets we've been able to free up, moving some things around and moving some... Uh, some areas open so we have a few more tickets uh, if you're interested come join us you'll have a great time get to meet a lot of like-minded people and hear some great perspectives uh, and we hope to see you in june dr paul you know very very good and thomas of course had another good quote today and he mentioned something in there that i think is so important you know the the spending and the printing of money and then it going on and and hurting the average person with inflation 
And uh, the one thing they don't usually talk about, but he, what he's alluding to, are real wages. You know, yes, yeah, sure, uh, the government can say that the minimum wage, uh, $5 is too little, let's make it 15 and all that. But, but it's only the real wage that counts. And that is what they can attack without writing many laws, because all they have to do is increase the, the debt and print the money. Prices go up, and, and therefore the real wage is the value of the, of the currency. And a lot of that is going on right now. But in the meantime, in the development of the conditions we have today, the real interest rates were hidden on purpose because if you had the real interest rate, the real interest rate in a free market is very, very important. It tells you what's going on. It tells you how, how determined the market is working, how, how the real production is going on, and uh, what the real cost of borrowing money would be. Today, after years now, several years, of making interest rates way below what they should be, down to zero percent, it was total insanity, it causes people to make a lot more mistakes. So it's this deceit in whether it's real wages or real interest rates, uh, and then uh, uh, printing money is supposed to not hurt anybody. So it is a major, major economic system that is coming under attack because it's attacking itself because it's not workable. The common understanding uh, when the Soviet system broke down is, well, they had a system that didn't work, and uh, they, they, their economy collapsed. Well, that's what's happening to us now. I think the I think the problem and adjustment is a lot worse than most people think, because it lasted for so long. The confidence was there. Confidence was in our military, our strength, and our power, and what we've had, and we had the reserve currency, and it lasted. So that meant the bubble was much bigger than ever, more printed money than ever before, and they're going to tinker. They'll have good days and bad days, but ultimately, you have to have the market, the people. People saying what they uh, what they really will do and not take directions from from a government the people can manage the economy just as well through supply and demand and what the needs are and people willing to work and and take care of themselves and assume that responsibility so it, it is a shame that accepting the principle of liberty to me is not complicated and if, it, if it's uh, the, the goal of peace and prosperity that you're after that's your only solution. Seek out liberty. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Come back soon.